0: Almost there. This path gets harder every time I try to make it. Last time I was wasn't an easy day. Actually, last time I made this trip, that was the hardest day of my life. Imagine being 120 years old and having to climb a mountain. I'll tell you about it when I get to the top. (laughs) How rude of me. Let me introduce myself. My name is Abraham. God made me a promise one day. As a matter of fact, he made me a couple of promises. He told me he was going to give me a huge family, and he told me he was going to give me a large plot of land, that he would bless me, that he would carry me, that through me, just a man, son of Terah, sheep herder, the entire world would be blessed. He promised to give me land. He promised to give me a son. He promised to to make my name great. But not because he wanted me to be great, but he was trying to show me something about himself. I grew impatient. When I was about 76, my wife came to me with this plan because... Well, we were old. And old people don't have babies. So she told me to take Hagar. Hagar was this Egyptian woman. We had lived in Egypt for a little while, and she was an Egyptian woman that we took in to, to kind of be my wife's handmaid, my wife's servant. We fed her, we gave her a place to stay, and she took care of my wife, Sarah. And so. I took Hagar as my own, and she had a son named Ishmael. Things didn't go well between Hagar and Sarah after that. And God took me out back and said, Abraham, you're a fool. Because I didn't promise you a son through Hagar, I promised you a son through Sarah. Then the fun started. I was 99 years old. We're making big 100th birthday celebration plans over there by the Oaks of Mamre. And these men showed up. And something was different about these men. I could tell something, something was, was magnificently glorious about these men. And they told me that Sarah the next year was gonna have a baby and I couldn't help but laugh because I was 99, she was 90. And they said, no, next year we're coming back and she's going to have a baby. Wouldn't you know it? A year later, she gave me a son. We named him Isaac, which means he laughs. He wasn't a funny looking kid. We just laughed at the thought of being 100 years old having a baby. Then, about 20 years ago, Isaac and I were out in the field. We were tending to the sheep and to the oxen the way we had done for his whole life, teaching. I was teaching him, Well, I knew one day I was going to die. I wasn't made to live forever. And everything I owned would be his and he'd need to know how to take care of it. All the servants, all the acres, everything that we had. And and he would ask me and i would tell him about God's great promise. And and it was always fun talking to Isaac because Isaac would say, look, daddy, I know that you have been telling me that God gave us this land to bless us, but this land is terrible. We should move the flocks right over there where the grass is greener. And I had to say Isaac, the grass isn't greener where God is not blessing and God is blessing us here. We were out in the field that day. Oh, he was about 200 yards off chasing one of those lambs that seems to always find its way. And I hear this voice. Abraham? Abraham? I knew the voice. Yes, Lord. Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son that you love, and offer him to me as a sacrifice. Those words still echo around in my soul. Now look at Isaac. And my thought is, Lord, why why Isaac? It took me 100 years to get this boy. Every promise you made to me, God was bound up in this son. How? Oh, God. Okay. Imagine the conversation I had to have with Sarah that day. The next morning I got up and I took Isaac. Took a couple of donkeys and took a couple of servants. And we loaded it up with firewood. And I took the torch of fire in my hand. And I kissed my wife and said, we'll be back. So we left. God had told us to go towards the mountains of Moriah. So we journeyed two days. At the third day, I could see the mountain out there in the distance, and I told the two servants, hey, you guys, you wait here. The boy and I, we're going to go up on that mountain, and we're going to worship, and we'll be back. Praying to God that I was right. Praying to God that somehow, some way, I was right that we would be back. If God had promised me this boy, God was going to do something that only God can do to make sure this boy came back down this mountain with me. So I trudged up the path. We got about halfway up the mountain that day. And you always wonder about your kids if they've got enough common sense to make it in this world. Isaac looked at me and said, Daddy, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, but we didn't bring anything to sacrifice. Why are we going up here to build an altar and offer God a sacrifice if we didn't bring the lamb, if we didn't bring the offering? I can't tell you the hurt in my heart. So I pulled Isaac in close and I wrapped my arm around him. I said, son... The Lord God will provide the ram for sacrifice. He, he's going to do it. He's asked us to do this. We're following him. He will provide. I had to turn away quickly because I just had to pray, God, please provide. I got up here to the top of the mountain. We started piling these rocks together We got the area ready for the sacrifice and I took the wood off of Isaac's back and I laid it around the bottom of the rocks to set the fire and then I took Isaac, my son. My only son. The son I love. I took him... And with all the strength I had, I started to tie his hands and his feet together. And I laid him up there on the altar. And wouldn't you know, that boy didn't fight me. I I don't know if he fully understood what was going on right there, but he didn't fight me. He laid himself down on the altar. With a prayer, I pulled out the knife And I went to stab down and I heard it. Abraham! The Lord God called me. The Lord God called me right then. Right there. And he said, Do not hurt the boy. Thank you, God for i know that you fear me you have not withheld your very son it would you know i looked up just behind the altar and right over there caught in those brambles i wanted to clip some of them take them home just as a reminder of what god had done right in those brambles right in front of the altar was a ram. There was a ram. God had provided the lamb of sacrifice. Oh, praise God. So I quickly cut Isaac loose. I quickly unbound my boy. I quickly hugged him and wrapped him up in the father's embrace. And we went over together and we took the ram and we slaughtered it and we offered it to the Lord our God that day. And God said, Abraham, you have feared me above everything. You have offered your son. You have not withheld this boy from me. I will bless you. Thank you, God. God, I didn't deserve this favor. I didn't deserve this, Lord. I've lied. I've cheated. I've enslaved people. I've sought to follow you. I've sought to to, to look to you. I've even questioned in my heart right now, God, what are you doing? I didn't deserve this. I had some time over the years since we were up here that day to think about what God was showing me. To think about what God was doing that day. Why God would ask me to ascend that mountain. Why God would ask me to lay down that boy. And I wish I could give you every bit of heavenly wisdom possible, but there are a few things that I think I've learned from that. That time of rejoicing. All the weight that I carried to the top of the mountain, the burden was all relieved at the top, and so I was able to go down with joy. I was able to go down with a song in my heart. I was 120, but I felt like I was 20 again. I almost wanted to race Isaac down the hill to see if he could get to the bottom fastest to tell the goodness of God's work, of God's provision. But what God showed me that day was that sometimes God tests his people by requiring acts of inexplicable obedience. Sometimes God requires his people to do the inexplicable things for him. It doesn't make sense. You can't add it up. I couldn't figure out why. God, I've got thousands of sheep and cattle. I'll give you all of them. I'll give you any of them. But why, Isaac, the one you promised? I couldn't wrap my mind around it. But what I knew was that God had asked me to do something that I couldn't explain. And He tested me, He he tested me to see. If I would prove true to what I claimed about this God. He tested me to see if I could demonstrate what it is he had, who it is that he had called me to be. Oh, it's easy to talk about these things. I mean, I tell my boys all the time the story of when God took me out there and said, Abraham, you see all those stars up there? If you can count them all, that's how big your family's gonna be. And how I believed him. And he, he said that my faith was as good as righteousness. Oh, I could tell him all about that. And I couldn't explain why he would want me to sacrifice Isaac, but he called me to do it. So I had to. He's testing. The more people I talk to, the more I realize that God tests all of us if we call on his name. And if we could do it in our power, if we could do it by our understanding, he probably didn't call us to do it. I would have been a whole lot easier for God to have said, hey, take some of those cows over there and kill them for me. I could have explained that. But I couldn't explain the obedience of having to sacrifice Isaac. Sometimes God tests his people. By requiring acts of obedience that just can't be explained. Another thing I learned at the top of that mountain that day. God rattled me to the core. I still shudder thinking of my boy laying on that altar. He told me that no sacrifice is too great if it's God who requires it. No sacrifice is too great when God requires it. I could have thought of a thousand reasons not to sacrifice my son. First of all, he's life, he's human. Oh God, we don't kill people. We don't do that. That's not what we do around here. God, your promise. God, my son. God, the inheritance. God, everything. God, this. God, that. And what I found as I looked across all my possessions and my wife and my family and the future, what is that it's really easy to try to bargain with God on some of these really big things that we think matter like sacrificing a son, but oftentimes we don't want to give God the little things. Oftentimes we try to hold on to stuff here that God has asked us to give, thinking that, oh, that sacrifice is too great. I sacrifice friends, I sacrifice wealth, I sacrifice this, I sacrifice that, but... No sacrifice is too great when we consider the greatness and the fullness of our God. Nothing. Because trusting God does not allow for us to hold back. We can say we trust God, but when we hold back, we're really saying, no, I don't actually trust this God. I don't believe this God is big enough to compensate for this sacrifice. I I don't believe that God is big enough to rescue my son. And as I tell him time and time again, God is going to provide the lamb of sacrifice in my soul and in my heart. I had to believe that. Folks, I'll be real with you. I did not know if Isaac was going to die on that mountain or not. I believed that God was big enough for both of us to come back down. I didn't know if he was going to be dead and God was going to bring him back to life. I didn't know. What I knew was that that sacrifice of my son was nothing compared to the greatness of my God. And as a daddy, I was given a choice. I can either love what I have in this life or I can love the God who gave me life. I could love my son or I could love my father. I could love what I had or I could love him who gave it to me. But I couldn't hold back if I trusted him. And I know the question that you have for me this morning. Abraham, how in the world, how in the world did you walk that path to the top of that mountain knowing that your son had to be sacrificed? How in the world did you look your wife in the eye that morning when you left, knowing what was coming? You were going to have to face her. Men, there is no fury like the fury of an angry woman. And I don't know of any woman that would have been angrier than Sarah had I come back and said, Isaac's no more. I had to sacrifice him to God. See, too often we don't consider our sacrifices in that weight. Which makes us ask, is it really a sacrifice? If it doesn't cost us something and it doesn't leave the results of the work in the hands of God, then did we really sacrifice anything? This God who's given us everything. Did we really sacrifice or did we hold back? But I know you're wondering. Abraham, you knew what was at the top of that mountain. You knew what you were going to build. You knew what that fire on Isaac's back was for. You knew what that knife in your belt was for. You knew all these things, Abraham. Abraham. How did you still walk to the top of that mountain? How did you still go down that path? Because, folks, if you're going to walk the path successfully, it's because you fear God. Walking the path successfully is the result of fearing God. I had to determine, do I fear God or do I fear Sarah? Do I fear God or do I fear the hole in my heart? From sacrificing my son. Do I fear God or do I fear lack of possession? Do I fear God or do I fear people? I had to ask myself that day, Abraham, who do you fear? Because I wasn't going to walk the road that God had laid before me if I did not fear God the most. If I did not wrestle with the fact that maybe God in that moment was my own worst enemy. Oh, he loved me. I had no doubt about that. But I had to be more afraid of what disobedience would bring to my life than about what obedience would bring. Because no sacrifice is too big when God requires it. Because I can't hold back if I say I trust God. Because sometimes God asks us to do something that we just can't explain. But before God asks you, you've got to ask, do I fear God? Or am I content to hold back? I gotta get out of here. Sarah's making some lamb stew.